listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Integra X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Francis Nahas. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Red Cell Technologies, and, and this podcast lets me do one of the things that I love to do more than anything else, which is go out and talk to experts in their field and learn all about what they do. Um, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, we've got a, a special episode today. Rather than having a new guest on, we're going to highlight some of the most fun conversations we've had over the last year. Uh, it's a great opportunity to hear a little snippet from some of these episodes that maybe you want to go back and give a re-listen or a listen for the first time. We've pulled episodes that really touch on kind of four of the areas that we talk about a lot on this podcast, growth, pharmacy operations, policy, and technology. And so they're all ones that had real interesting nuggets and things that you can take back and put into practice in your pharmacy if you're working in a pharmacy today. Uh, they're also uh, really fun guests. So I had a great time talking with them. We had a variety of folks on co-hosting with me throughout these podcasts too. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. So the first one's episode nine. We had a fantastic conversation with two customers of Red Cell and Integra, actually, uh, Mindy Ferris and Michael Gerdes. And the title of this episode is Transitions of Care, How Culture and Technology Can Bridge the Gap. Uh, so I would say two things. Um, I think any organization that has the two of them in it is going to have a great culture. It was a really fun conversation and I would work with them any day. So definitely worth a listen. Um, they also just bring a really great kind of candid conversation about what it's like working in long-term care, how they think about growth, how they think about building culture in their organization, and lots of great takeaways you can apply in your own organization. All right. So without further ado, let's hear a little bit about what they have to say. Our mission is is them. I mean, them right. staying in business and them being successful. They they yeah. are what we do. And we, you know, we talk a lot too about you know pharmacies can look at different things and say who's who are you servicing? And it's like, are you servicing the the end resident, the person that's getting this medication you're dispensing? Are you servicing, you know, this? director of nursing? Are you servicing yeah. this administrator when you deliver the bill? Are you, who are you yeah. servicing? Who's the decision maker? But, you know, I'd say a lot of what we focus on is that, that nurse's experience because they're the one that interacts with the pharmacy. So, so much of the time. And if you can eliminate their, their time so that they can shift their focus and care for that resident, then like for farm script, at least that's where we think the real value comes from that pharmacy experience. Like what can we do with our systems, like with what Michael does in clinical systems to, to free up that nursing time so that the pharmacy doesn't have 
extra order clarifications or we're reconciling the medications from the hospital faster so that that nurse gets that new patient in the bed and, you know, that cup of coffee at 11 p.m., which I don't understand that, but that was, I always like to tell the story of like getting my grandma into the ho- the nursing home bed and her being like, well, I need my cup of coffee. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night, Gigi. Like, what is going on here, sister? You're never going to go to sleep. But she always did a cup of coffee at night. So that's what she needed. And that, you know, you want the nurses to get that experience, you know, do yeah. that for the rest of not things, worry about yeah. getting the meds yeah. to the pharmacy yeah. so that they get delivered before the next morning med pass. And so that's like kind of what our programs are about. is how do I make sure that that nursing experience focuses on the patient and not about my pharmacy process? It just is seamless to them. And so that resident experience is there so that the drugs just come up like, you know, come when they are able yeah. to come. And, yeah. um, and that's a lot of what, you know, Michael's doing behind the scenes so that the orders can flow over and, and we get them there at the right time. Yeah. And, and, and many really hit on it, right. You know, you don't want that nurse to be worrying about the pharmacy. You don't want the pharmacy taking up their extremely valuable time, um, taking care of the patient. So, you know, uh, things like, you know, orders getting held up for clarifications or, you know, they have to change the order because an insurance plan doesn't pay for that particular, uh, Therapy. These are all things that we're trying to create, um, you know, technological operational procedure around, right? So that it never has to get to that point, right? Can we load a formulary in so that they're not, so that they're selecting the right medications upon uh, order entry? Can we, can we perform a, an interchange through, you know, some of our clinical programs that we run from state to state? Can we, you know, get ahead of some of the issues with third-party plans or, or Medicaid plans to say, all right, what, what, what is covered? Why don't we just tell them ahead of time um, what's covered? Is there a way that we can access that information, present it, show it, communicate it this way? You know, as many said, it's seamless, right? We don't want those disruptions in the life of a nurse. So there, there are, you know, there are dozens and dozens of tools that we are currently using, exploring, you know, trying to develop, working with, you know, internal, um, internal teams, working with vendors, uh, constantly trying to push, um, you know, that technology to say, all right, well, you know, here's another gap in the operations. How can we fix it? You know, using some type of technological development, right? Sure. We can create op- operational structure to, to the moon, but it's not always going to be maybe the most ideal situation because it's still going to take a person having to perform a task, taking time away from them, whether it's a pharmacy user, whether it's a nurse, whomever it may be, um, we don't we don't want to do that. We want to leverage our, our technology to say, all right, we can fix this using, you know, this type of portal or, you know, this type of automated job or reporting, things like that. So there's 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 always consistent, <laughs> consistent discussion around how to make things more efficient, more fluid yeah. um, so that the, those disruptions are really limited. Yeah. So it was really fun to chat with those two. Uh, Another episode that I would love to highlight is episode seven with Paul Shelton. Uh, We talked about Lean Six Sigma in this episode and the title was Making It Work for Long-Term Care Pharmacies. And I grew up in a household where my mom is Lean Six Sigma and every other quality metric certified. And so this one was one that was near and dear to my heart. (laughs) It was dinner cable conversation for me growing up. 
Uh, but Paul and I sat down with our own Evelyn Beach as well, who many of you probably know and have worked with Evelyn if you've been a customer of Integra and Red Cell for a long time. Uh, it was a really fun conversation where we teased um, all kinds of ideas about how you can leverage Six Sigma and lean within your pharmacy. And I think the biggest takeaway there is, hey, how there's cash sitting on your shelf. And so if you apply some of these tools, you can go find cash in your pharmacy and have a more efficient operation and a little more cash in your pocketbook. So let's take a listen to that one. You know, when we talk about lean processes, there's an acronym called downtime. Yeah. Um, and downtime is it's an eight piece. It's a kind of description of those eight pieces of waste. Well, the I in downtime is inventory. And people ask, well, how do I afford to do this? Cool. Most pharmacies, maybe not all, but most pharmacies in our industry, I think the last study I saw was 52% of the pharmacies in this industry get fewer, 12 or fewer inventory turns a year. Yeah. Yes. That means that they've got literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash sitting on their shelf. Yeah, like just stacks of bills just sitting on their on their shelves. But pharmacists are are training, I think, our embedded belief is I need to have it on the shelf just in case I need it. Right. Of course. So it's a little bit changing the perspective. I need to have right. on the shelf what I truly need. Correct. Yeah. Understanding what that truly true need is, right? There's a very quick report that you can look in dispense history. What what what's my inventory currently on hand? Dispense history in the last six months. Anything that's not in your dispense history that's in your current inventory on hand. Strongly question why you have that in your pharmacy shelf. That's it's a 30-minute process. You can probably remove twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars of inventory from your shelf because you have a dispense in the last six months. And what can you do with that? What can you invest in the business? Exactly. exactly. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. there's that is literally cash you're taking off your shelf. You can now go and look at can I hire another technician with that? And then have that person be just someone who's focused on making my pharmacy more efficient, right? So now I've paid for that in a 30-minute waste walk. So yeah. it's, it's, there are definitely ways to make this effective and very rapidly effective and impactful for pharmacies. Good, good, very good. So I know we talked about the waste. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most common waste or time efficiencies initiatives add to a pharmacy? I know we talked about inventory, and yeah. that's a great start and beginning. But how many other areas in the pharmacy that we do see waste? Oh, my goodness. Waiting waste is probably the W in downtime. <laughs> right? Waiting waste. If I see one more pharmacy tech in the back or a pharmacist in the back of a pharmacy with their phone out, just right. like that, staring at a scrolling through Facebook. I was like, because this is audio, I'm going like, to do them. Yeah. Like, like Evelyn just pulled her phone out. <laughs> right. Immediately before Paul said that, because she knew exactly where he was. Yes. It, right. it drives me bananas because, okay, I've got a very narrow focus technician, right? This technician or this pharmacist, the pharmacist is on PB2. Their only mission is to inspect. The technician is on fulfillment. Their only mission is to fulfill. They don't have a secondary mission already assigned to them in the pharmacy on a daily basis. As soon as I get to my last label yeah. in fulfillment, what is my next task? Is it go and do an inventory walk on one section of inventory? And I have a, a layout where, okay, today is Tuesday. I have the last one of these I did was here. I need to go do this inventory walk. Find any inventory that's going to be expiring within the next two months or going past six months dating in the next two months. Take that off the shelf, return it to my wholesaler. Right. That's money on the shelf that we're going to probably throw in the trash can if we're not careful. Yeah. And so having that secondary assignment is absolutely critical. And every single person in the pharmacy needs to have that secondary assignment. 
right? Here's my primary mission, secondary mission. You really want to get aggressive, go tertiary mission, right? And every single person in the pharmacy needs to be cross-trained. Um, we had a, had a, a great training, literally the, I think the second week I was in the army talking about what should a small unit look like? And I look at our pharmacies as like a platoon. In the yeah. Army, in the, right. So yes. you've got 35 to 40 people working in this space and this old grizzled Vietnam veteran sergeant. <laughs> I mean, this guy was, <laughs> the stories were amazing, but he had this interesting way of describing to young soldiers like myself. He said, takes a glass of water. And he says, this glass of water represents the quality of our unit as an overall whole. And the higher the glass, the higher the level of water in this, the better off we are. Yeah. And he sticks his thumb in the water and the water goes up. This is you. He goes, when I take my thumb out of the unit, the unit overall quality goes down. But there's not a hole because everybody in the unit knows everybody else's job. And so in your pharmacy, cross-training your team members. So that waiting concept isn't an issue anymore. So that... I'm done with my data entry for the day. The only thing coming in now is going to be, you know, the on-demand daily orders. Cool. All of my cycle data entry technicians now need to go to the back and start filling prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And getting them actually able and comfortable to do that routinely. Such a fun conversation with Paul and Evelyn. The next episode I'm going to tee up for you is episode 13 with Chad Wartz. We talked politics and policy, a favorite conversation of mine, and how elections affect your pharmacy. So things you got to keep in mind, uh, whether we want to or not, right? Policies happen all the time, both in D.C. and in our individual states that are affecting pharmacies and how you guys need to operate. So we had a great conversation with him about things you can keep in mind and pay attention to. Uh, to make sure that policy is working for you and your pharmacy. So take a listen. If we've got folks who aren't living and breathing this every day, why is that provider status so important? What does that mean under Medicare for these pharmacies? Ultimately, it means that you can independently create a bill and bill the Medicare, Medicare Part B for your right. service. Okay. And if Medicare is paying pretty much every other health plan, we'll probably follow. Well, we, what's the... traditionally happened, and even though you're seeing a little bit in the state Medicaid departments, mm -hmm. sort of a reverse of this, that yeah. um, I know in Ohio and um, California have provider status language, they're starting to create paths for pharmacists to bill for clinical services to the Medicaid program. Okay. But we do know that if Medicare does it, that the commercial insurers follow suit in general. Pretty um, and you can see that with the pandemic. The federal government sort of set the administration fee for the vaccine, and the commercial insurers came in and, for the most part, supported the way Medicare was reimbursing. Um, so they do look at Medicare as sort of the lead payer in um, how to pay for provider services. Okay. Huh. cut you off. Yeah, no, I, yeah, we were going we were going down the same path. Uh, and you know, Chad mentioned that some of the states, South Carolina, our Medicaid program, uh the, at our state convention meeting uh back in June announced that they were working on provider status for pharmacists. Yeah. Because you know on the state level, um they do or they are able to look at the cost savings in addition to the expense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we keep one diabetic patient out of the emergency room where, you know, especially in medically underserved area, uh, 
they end up in the emergency room because they yeah. don't take their meds properly. They're they're not dosed properly. They're not following the physician. So, yeah, it, it is frustrating for me because you know I, I I don't look at it politically. I look at it from a patient care, <laughs> and I, I realize what the pharmacist can do. And you know the provider status still. I can get it until I look at some of the other healthcare professionals that have provider status. And I'm sitting there thinking, how on earth can they have provider status when right. the pharmacist is, I mean, we're grossly overtrained <laughs> for what we're allowed to do. Yeah. You mean like, you mean like acupuncture? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's baffling to me, but as Francis says, yeah, logic and politics don't don't mix. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's sort of the um, the double edged sword. Like, um, and I, and I don't mean to pick on acupuncture. I've actually had it done before, and it and it, it worked for me. But I think the the way that it intersects healthcare is in cost. Mm-hmm. You know, there's three hundred and thirty thousand pharmacists. There are more pharmacists than there are primary care physicians right now. So unfortunately, that means we can say things like everybody's within five miles of a pharmacy and access is great. And if we're able to provide services, everybody can get them. And then the government might look at that and say, well, that's great. But then everybody can get them and we'll have to pay for them. (laughs) Um, So you've got to walk that tightrope of when it really matters and when it really creates value from a healthcare perspective. And Ed, like you, you know, I think pharmacists are so much more capable of doing things that that positively influence quality of life and, and patient care. But we've got to kind of, again, weave that, weave that into how it works in a in a budget and how we don't bankrupt the system you know if we let pharmacists bill for services um and that's frustrating because we do know how beneficial they are and i think you know however you look at the pandemic the silver lining is pharmacists stepped up uh, oftentimes uh, benevolently, like they didn't get paid what they should have got paid. You know, they fight um, some insurers about getting paid for some of the services they provided when it was an emergency. And the answer was, well, we'll just do it and figure it out later. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, we do have a lot of chips on the table. We do have this ECAPS bill, which is basically test, treat, vaccinate, which has provider status embedded in it. Um, it would be limited to test, treat, vaccinate, but it would be the crack of the door. We would be listed as a provider and we could come back and say, well, hey, thanks for that. We're doing a great job with vaccines and test and treat. What about what we're doing for diabetics? What about what we're doing for cardiovascular patients? Um, And that's where we really see the opportunity. Policy, always a fun topic of conversation for me. So the last but not least episode I'm gonna tee up for you is a conversation with our own Bob Bates around another favorite topic of mine. So for those of you who don't know, Bob is the COO of Red Cell Technologies and the president of Integra. He is uh, the man in charge of all of our technology choices is the simplest way to put it. And uh, hopefully forgive me for saying this, but a big tech nerd and I love talking technology with him. So we had him on. Uh, to talk about cloud technology, the great enabler cloud technology, how we should be thinking about it, right? Where there's risks, where there's tremendous opportunity in moving technology to the cloud and what that can mean for your pharmacy. So I always have fun talking tech with Bob uh, and hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Let's listen to that one. 
normally a well-run pharmacy, you have one discrete server and it's not scalable, right? So yeah. um, they think they got something, you know, in front of them and it feels good and, and totally understand why. But if you think about the, if you move to a remote host, which is, I mean, we've been doing that for 20 years, right? It's not, don't call it yeah. cloud. It's a private cloud is what they call it now. Yeah. That's the new yeah. word, but there was hosting done remotely and you have, a main site, which is where your operational data is. In fact, if you really run it well, there's two sites and then there's a third one for DR. So you'll hear the term high availability, but the second you go toward those technologies, which is just new, it's a transformational thing for an industry that didn't have to do it. Um, now we're seeing scale. We're seeing, you know, people want to do central fill, things yeah. like that. And if, if you're moving toward things like that, you, you almost have to move to the cloud to be efficient. The yeah. other thing is with security, there's no way I'd want a server on-prem unless I was really good at what I do. And um, we have security experts, so we manage that ourselves. But yeah. you think about it, you've got two live sites with your data, so you're not going to lose your data ever. And we've architected where even if there was a pause, we hold that data and then we resend it. Then we have a DR site. So if you ever would ask so, them. So, so yeah. DR, because you said this before, I'm going to define this. Disaster recovery. Don't know yeah. It. yeah, disaster, disaster recovery. So when so, so basically it's it's sort of three sites. There's two that are active at any time that are working. That's right. So if one of those goes down, you still have an active kind of cloud site working. Yeah, DR is And then OMG. you have a third one that's like, okay, if it really gets bad. Yeah, you yeah, I call DR OMG. I mean, oh my God, it's really <laughs> broke. I have to go pull data and rebuild a system. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start editing that in slides. It's no longer gonna be DR. It's gonna be OMG. <laughs> That's perfect. Nice. So, is my performance gonna be better when I'm in the cloud as far as my systems go? Absolutely. Yeah. One time, people would, and they had a valid argument. I mean, it was. Um, you know, browser-based versus, man, I'm local and it, it does perform better. And actually the old, uh, the older architectures, you think about it, oh, simply put, there's a database, which is just a bunch of storage. And then they built like programs right on top of it were scripts. The problem is as complex as this business is now, and it's grown. I mean, you think about it, it took us probably, we're still defining some of the system, right? It takes years and all those store procedures are down there. So there's interactions, there's actually latency with those, there's uh, the ability to design and get things out faster. So when you think about that, it did perform at one time. Now the browsers have caught up with that. So they do a lot of caching, the way they interact with the system itself and in the cloud um, allows you to the same speed. And actually I would debate that you have a greater, it, it allows you the ability when you go that route to roll features out quicker. I mean, it, it, actually an example, we were in a San Diego trade show, um, you know, and you could describe the event, but we were actually making changes right up saying, hey, I want to see this. So we added functionality in that system within an hour and we fully tested it because we built automation in our capability. So yeah, it performs. And then the other thing I would say, if you look at performance, if you have a singular system out at a site, first of all, you're going to have hardware failures. It's not, it's not an if it's a when do you have another server waiting a and B they have physical limitations with what we've done in hosting. You don't. And actually the man, technology is so beautiful. Now it's like you auto spawn services or code, you know, and it scales out horizontally. So if you're seeing, you know, that you know, usage is up and you're running an export or you're running end of month, which we see, and you know, they are our cycles. Um, 
you won't see that if we build that correctly, which we have, um, we test that and you don't have one server. You have as many as you need to run this, uh, this ecosystem. I'm going to once again, dumb this down to Francis level. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. (laughs) So this is like my computer's doing super slow because I got Excel running and I control out delete and I'm looking at my memory. I'm looking at my CPU and they're like maxing out. Right. The point here is, Hey, if you're on site with a server, that's happening in those big months. And if you're in the cloud, it's just like, okay, great. We've got another server and another server and another server. Yeah. I need more stuff. So you're never, you're not constrained by, Hey, this one little machine sitting on my desk is the max I can do. Is that, is that my. Totally is. Okay. Yeah. You maybe look smarter than I am. And actually Francis plays that part, but her daddy has like multiple patents. So we were joking about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she always I, asks I, really I, good questions and makes it simple. He's, he's a good engineer. And I'm like, how do I explain this? Like I'm in kindergarten. <laughs> like, help me translate. That, that's the role. That's the role. Thank you all for joining us today. Hopefully you found this look back at some of my favorite conversations. Interesting. If you want to hear the full episode, hopefully one or two of those sparked your interest and you want to go back and listen for the first time or re-listen to one of those original episodes, you can find those wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Or you can go to IntegraXFiles.com and subscribe there. If you go to IntegraXFiles.com, we've got additional great content for you. So you may not know, we not only have the podcast, but we have a blog that you can find great applicable uh, insights for your pharmacy there as well. So you can find those at IntegraXFiles.com. Thank you for coming on this journey with us today. And hopefully you'll continue to listen throughout the year. We'll have many more great guests for you this year. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X-Factor and improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at IntegraXFiles.com. That's IntegraXFiles.com.